This is episode 46 of the Kindred Mom Podcast. I am your host, Emily Sue Allen. Hi there, friends. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to listen to this episode of the Kindred Mom Podcast. We are continuing the conversation that we started in the beginning of October on the topic of cultivating home. There are a lot of essays over on the blog that would be great for you to go and check out, some encouragement, some really wonderful thoughts from a variety of writers on this topic so far over on kindredmom.com. I'd love for you to go check it out. The episode for today features Robin Chapman, one of our editorial team members. For the first segment, she and I are discussing what fostering a sense of belonging looks like in our families and how to both engage in and teach our kids about what healthy relationships look like. In the second segment, I have a guest named Vanessa Hunt, and she is a wonderful mama of two who has just some really encouraging words about how to simplify our home and our traditions in a way that serves our need to bring our families together and build those relationships, letting go of what is unnecessary and focusing in on the major things. She's great, and I hope you don't miss that segment of the show. One of the things I wanted to be sure to mention is that we have our Writers in Residence applications coming due in just like 10 days from now. There is an opportunity for you to join us in shaping the message of our spring series. If it's something that you feel drawn to, please get your applications in so that we can consider you for that position. And thanks so much for listening. Well, here we are for another episode of the Kinderbaum Podcast, and we are talking this month about cultivating home. This episode, a little bit more specifically about home and belonging and kind of the relationships that happen inside the walls of our homes. And I'm really glad to have my sweet friend, Robin Chapman, here to chat with me. Hey, Robin. Hello. Hi, how are you? I'm so good and really glad to have you. And I just want to open our conversation by talking about what it's like to be in our families. And I don't know if you are willing to share a little bit about like the dynamics in your family. Is your home boisterous? Is your home fun? Is your home frustrating? <laughs> uh, what's it like with yes, the, the family them. members in your household? Well, um, I have four kids. They are two, three, six, and seven right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's busy. Mm-hmm. the The older two, in particular, are especially adventurous. We have a like a swing from IKEA that Grandma brought up. We don't have an IKEA here, but yeah, um, Grandma brought us the swing that's hung from our ceiling, and they've since like hooked up a sheet, kind of like an aerial silk singular, Mm -hmm. um, or they've made zip lines and like crazy stuff in our living room. That's Mm. the kind of stuff that happens a lot. (laughs) Yes. Um, And then the little two are just kind of along for the ride and trying not to get bowled over. Um, (laughs) And the middle two kind of my second daughter, the six-year-old is, she has very strong opinions. And Mm -hmm. my three-year-old is just now starting to sort of not take it. Mm-hmm. So that's noisy. They're all introverted as far as I can tell right now, which is grace to this introverted mama because I'm not really mm-hmm. sure how I would meet a little extrovert's needs, honestly. How about your home? Yeah, our home is, it is multifaceted. I think the personalities in our house are incredibly interesting. I 
feel like I would talk for hours if I was trying to really give you a breakdown. We just have, you know, I have a free spirit. I have a very more serious analytical son. I have a creative son who just loves to create and build things. I have one who is just incredibly sharp and I would say sassy, but in a sweet way. (laughs) (laughs) And um, I have an observer who's on the quiet side. And then our little guy is just all kinds of goofy. And so it's quite an array of personalities. And I would say they're all strong personalities in their own way. Right. Um, So I feel like the last year or so, it's been especially challenging to keep the peace between them. And I would say overall, they're well-behaved kids who mostly listen and, you know, our family dynamics, it's a beautiful family. I'm super grateful for them. But kind of the smaller details of how they interact with each other drive me bananas a lot of the time because I'm just like, can you just be kind? Can you just get along with each other? And it seems like there are such easy fixes for the problems that they run into. But for whatever reason, there's just not a real willingness to move forward with that, which may be an age or development sort Mm -hmm. of thing, or it may just be what our dynamics are going to be like. When you have a, a family, I mean, as big as mine and certainly as big as yours, um, it mm-hmm. just winds up being a lot of relationships. Like, you know, with a yes. with a couple, there's one relationship. With family of three, there are three because you've got mom to dad and mom mm-hmm. to baby, dad to baby. And then it just it just grows crazy fast from there. Yeah. Well, and I think too, just seeing how those relationships are even different week to week yeah. because, you know, sometimes there's a pair that gets along super well for a while and then all of a sudden they have a falling out or some reason why they're someone else's buddy for a while. And so there's just a lot of things to keep track of for me as far as trying to really steward their relationships with each other Uh and help out the fires without being too involved and not allowing them the opportunity to work some of those things out for themselves. Yeah. But it's definitely, I don't know, I definitely have moments where I just hide away in my yeah. room because I don't want to be in the all out mania of right. it. So part of, you know, this conversation, I feel like I just want to talk about creating a sense of belonging in our home. And I know that that is such kind of a nebulous topic because what belonging is in the first place isn't something you can just whip out a definition or, you know, put something on the table and say, this is what it is. Um, It's very fluid and could look very different in different families. But uh, in my particular circumstances, I just think about how complicated it is to achieve or foster a sense of belonging in our household. Mm -hmm. And I just wanted to talk about how we help our children help others, even their siblings, feel like they belong. Yeah, I'm just starting to learn this. Like I said, mine mine are still pretty young, but I'm working on just trying to to make them feel like they belong in our family and trying to give them responsibilities and affirm their unique gifts and Mm -hmm. affirm their gifts to each other. Like um, if my Mm -hmm. second does something that's especially generous or helpful, I'll point it out to the first and vice versa, like Mm -hmm. trying to help them see that we're all sort of contributing in our unique ways. Not really super great at it, but 
this, it's a direction mm-hmm. I'm growing right now. How how about you? You're a little bit further along. Yeah, I'll say it's kind of a madhouse. <laughs> I mean, it's it's just one of those things that if we try to pursue it with a sense of control, it just doesn't work because it's, it is like herding cats yeah. and they have their own minds and they have their own way of moving in the world and even through our family. And that sense of belonging, I find at least in any kind of static way, like, does everybody feel like they belong? Well, most of the time, there's at least one person who doesn't feel like they belong. (laughs) And so that's just a a constant reevaluating, like, where are we at today? And how can I check in with the needs of each of my kids to know what might need some assistance, what might need some leadership on my part to help bridge the gap that is there. And we do have one child who tends to kind of put themselves on the outside of the belonging circle or whatever you want to call that. I have one of those Um, too. And that one's, yeah, that one's kind of hard because I know I see the things that he does that bring upon himself the anguish that he feels about not being included. Mm -hmm. And so it really is something that is a huge challenge to tackle because belonging isn't just about how we welcome people in, but it's also how we put ourselves into a situation. And these are skills that we're not born with. (laughs) And some kids are very intuitive and know how to read social cues and know how to, you know, jump into something with a positive attitude. And other kids just struggle to know how I mean, I I know that my son who struggles the most with this is just so afraid that people are going to take from him or are going to ruin his things or are going to, you know, like it's kind of a power and control issue. Like he wants to be in charge of how everything Mm -hmm. unfolds. And that's just not reality. You know, it's not even, even if I wanted to try to make that happen, which I don't, there's just some hard life lessons of allowing others to be who they are and- He's struggling through that. So it's been a challenge for our family, Mm -hmm. to be honest. I I sometimes have these mom fears that like when they're all adults, they're not going to like each other and they're not going to want to get together for holidays or, you know, but that's just not really productive. So I'm trying to like just focus on the present and, and really honing in on his particular needs for how to overcome his own challenges because even though I see him doing it to himself in those circumstances, he doesn't know how to put himself into a situation of playing with a toy that doesn't make someone else feel like he, they're just being micromanaged right. by him. <laughs> so, Isn't that the point of home? Like a space for them to learn all of that mm-hmm. and figure out how to how to interact in relationship and in community with others. You want them to learn to belong, but this is also the ideal place to teach Mm -hmm. them what happens when you put yourself outside the circle and what happens when they don't behave well in community. It is. It's, I mean, I feel like that's part of what is really important about parenting and seeing the value of being really engaged in our kids and their development and not just being so busy that we're on the go doing everything, every activity, every element of enrichment that we could possibly stuff into our schedule still doesn't leave room for some of these 
intangible things that really need our attention. And for me, what makes a home a home is that it's a sanctuary. It's a place that is safe for us to love one another, safe for us to fight with one another and be able to work out conflicts. And just the way we deal with conflicts in our home, I think has a lot to do with whether our home feels like a sanctuary or not. I know when I was a child, our home was full of conflict that was not dealt with very well. And as a result, there was just a lot of fear, a lot of things that went unresolved and not a lot of forgiveness. And so as I think through conflicts and how we deal with those with our siblings in our family and also in marriage, I mean, it's that's definitely not exempt, is just creating safe emotional space for everybody. I would really love for my for my home to be a safe, safe space for my kids to fail where they know that they're loved and the connection can survive it. And Mm -hmm. the love that we have for them is not dependent on whether they're succeeding or failing right now. And that I know I won't do it perfectly, but I just feel like that's a beautiful start to a life to have that Mm -hmm. basis of safety and connection. I don't know. As I think about this, I think about what makes healthy relationships. And I actually did put a few notes down about this because I just really think that we don't always enter adulthood knowing what a healthy relationship looks like. And that makes it really challenging to teach our children what a healthy relationship looks like. How do you define healthy relationship in your family? Yeah. I mean, I think that, I mean, there's a lot of different layers. So this is probably like a whole, you know, whole, whole season. It's a whole thing by itself. But I think that it starts with respect and I think a lot of times as parents, we just expect that our children will respect us, that they should respect us. And I do think that they should respect Mm -hmm. us, but I also think that we have to respect them and figuring out what that looks like in a parent-child relationship or a child-to-parent or parent-to-parent. Yeah. And respect, this is multi-layer. I don't have any dictionary definition of it or anything, but I just think of it as regarding the value of the other person. Yeah. Because the minute you devalue who they are, there is no longer a trusting connection there. And, you know. You know what kills me dead is when my oldest, she's basically me, but she sounds like me Mm -hmm. on helium. She's just like a smaller version. (laughs) Um, When she's super disrespectful, it almost Mm -hmm. always mirrors something that I have said to the kids. Mm -hmm. And I sometimes trick myself into thinking that's okay because I'm the mom. But when it comes Mm -hmm. back at me, it's really not. And I mean, like there's some parenting stuff that I have to do that she can't do back to me, obviously. But like the Mm -hmm. tone and the feeling behind it, it's just super convicting. I think anytime your kid says something out loud that you said maybe yesterday and you're like, what did you say? (laughs) It's just always such a wake up call to remember that how we speak and and what we say, words are life giving or they're Mm not. And, you know, we can correct our kids without diminishing them. And that's been a very humbling lesson for me because I think in our struggle to feel like as we try to find our wings as parents, we do a lot of things wrong. Oh, yes. That's just, every parent does that. But the longer I mother, the more I am committed to really figuring out how can I find a gentle way forward? Mm -hmm. If gentleness is 
the first thing that comes to my mind, how can I just be gentle? Then I can figure out the rest of the equation after that. But if I just lead with anger, if I lead with, I'm going to put them under my thumb and I'm going to make them obey me. Right. <laughs> that just doesn't work out so well most oh, of the time. No, and it doesn't. <laughs> so, um, I have respect first. Um, I have quick forgiveness second, which both encompasses being able to truly apologize mm-hmm. and also to let something go. You know, if something has been done to you, especially because in the context of our kids in our home, it's so often like he drew on my paper or, right. <laughs> you know, like so if we can't resolve those kind of conflicts really easily. And, you know, the child I mentioned earlier is the one who well, last week he blah, blah, right. blah. And I'm just like, OK, so we're just definitely not understanding the forgiveness part of the exchange that we had yeah. over that situation. And, you know, so that helps me know where we can look for solutions. Mm-hmm. Like we need to talk about forgiveness mm-hmm. and talk about what that looks like. Love keeps no and, record of wrongs. Yeah. And I also just think that he also needs to experience being forgiven, mm-hmm. which, you know, in that situation, I think because he's always in fight mode, yeah. <laughs> it's it's not easy for him. That's just why I, it's the very child who has taught me the most about the necessity for gentleness because I really just want to like knock him out sometimes because right. he's just so frustrating. Yes. Um, but I think, you know, I think of that scripture, I don't even have a reference off the top of my head, but how it's the kindness of God yes. that leads us to repentance. And I don't know, the arm wrestling with my child is not going to produce the kind of results that I want. So, I've got to figure out another way and it's it's harder and more complicated takes more restraint and ingenuity on my part but the times that I have done that diligently we have taken steps forward. Yeah. I think of I think of um again I also don't can't think of the reference off the top of my head but but the anger of man does not bring about the righteousness of God or the righteousness mm-hmm. God requires and like oh I want I want to bring good I always put the anger of a mother yeah. in that in that little yeah. phrase because of like how susceptible I am oh, to it's anger. Oh, so easy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're maddening. They're the most endearing, maddening little people I've ever met. <laughs> yes, you can love them so much and be so, so angry. <laughs> so I also have on this list of my notes love that is more than feelings. You know, I know that we can like look at our little ones and be like, oh, they're so sweet. And I feel all these feelings Mm -hmm. of love. But really, what love is, is something of a sacrificial nature. Mm -hmm. And when we're seeking to do good to others, it costs us something. And um, I think just helping children learn how to have healthy relationships is helping them recognize what it is to both offer those sorts of things in relationships and also know that they can expect to receive those things in a healthy relationship because so often the imbalance comes from somebody who gives and gives and gives but doesn't think that they deserve to be treated with the same respect or the same kind of care. So how that looks in our family specifically is I talk to them very directly about when you are attentive to what I say, that that shows me love. Like when you're attentive and you care about the words that I speak to you and 
they are so eager to please. So when I have had that conversation recently, (laughs) a lot of times I can have a stretch of time where they are a lot more considerate and listening to what I say. That's Um, magical. (laughs) I love it. It is. (laughs) And also um, just really praising them for servanthood, for ways that they do something, it costs them a little bit of their time or a little bit of their energy or a little bit of, of, you know, when they're not playing Legos to be able to unload the dishwasher. I just really, I try to praise, thank you so much. That was so helpful to me. And, you know, Mm -hmm. it's just a little passing comment, but I do think that it kind of fills up the bucket where they feel like they're a valuable part of our family. Yeah, like they belong. Yeah, exactly. And um, so those are the things, respect, quick forgiveness, and love that's more than feelings. How do you kind of grow the grow the relationships between your kids i i don't really do anything (laughs) like um i i feel like that's kind of up to them um i will say that some of our just global family choices probably contribute to that i try to keep our schedules as simple and essential as possible right now we have two people in soccer and that's it there's no other extracurricular stuff. We do have classes during the week that everybody goes to. So it's kind of like everybody gets to do some fun things, but we're all there together at the same time. And we kind of just go as a group wherever we go. And so I think just the proximity and the Mm -hmm. amount of time that they spend together, if they seem bored or if they seem like they're struggling to figure out how to get along with somebody, I'll try to just give them ideas and say, hey, how about you guys go play downstairs with the dollhouse and, you know, you can help your sister set up a new like room in it or something and just kind of lead them to a way to connect or do something physically together that may help them get over the hurdles of their disagreements about life. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and it sounds like a lot of a lot of the choices that you make just to sort of keep your family in a physical space kind of gives the gift of creating a like a shared history for them as well. Like even if they they're not feeling super engaged in it right now, they'll always they'll always remember like hanging out at the soccer fields together, even if it was boring, like they'll probably laugh as adults about the stuff that they used to do while they were born at soccer games or whatever. (laughs) Yeah, no, there's already a little bit of um, inside jokes, things that are very unique to our family that, you know, some things that I overhear that I didn't previously know (laughs) that they either did together while they were playing or, I don't know, just funny things that are very endearing. And it just makes me really look forward to the years ahead when we do have like family Christmas dinner at home after everybody's been in different parts of the world or whatever and reminiscing about mm-hmm. that kind of stuff because I know I'm going to learn a lot of things that I didn't know, even though they're right under yeah. my nose right now. <laughs> I remember a, a conversation my sister and I had with my mom not too long ago, basically, mm-hmm. where we filled her in on some of some of those things. It's kind of funny. <laughs> kind of, it's kind of fun to wonder yeah. what, what my kids are going to fill me in on it in 30 years. Yeah, it's just, I don't know. I think this is something I'm super passionate about because... I just think that home and a home that feels like a sanctuary and a family that feels like you belong there is not a given. No. You know, it's it's something that takes some intention. It takes some vision for what it is you want your home to be like. And there's within the vision, there has to also be open hands to what actually unfolds because of how 
other people interact. I do cast the vision for my kids, especially when we're home and we're homeschooling and all Mm -hmm. that stuff. And I just say, you guys are are built-in friends and friends care for one another and friends work out their problems with one another. And we have those conversations, but what they do with that is ultimately going to be up to them. And that's one reason why I just think we don't have to put so much pressure on ourselves to achieve a certain result. But I do think it's useful to see that the influence that we have is enormous, you know? So it's kind of both things. Like you don't have to feel this weight of managing everything to make it just so, because the just so isn't going to happen. It's going to be picture and the dynamics are going to be a, collection of how those people all interact and grow Mm -hmm. together. I think that's like the whole point for me of even starting Kindred Mom in the first place was just wanting to show other moms as I have discovered and continue to discover myself that what we have a vision for and what we take the time to really process and pray about and decide is our family priorities and the things we want to engage in and invest in in our families, that really matters. Because if we have no vision, if we have no sense of what we're aiming for, we may not get even close to what we're looking for. And um, I just think we have so much that we can do to raise our kids to be emotionally intelligent, to raise them to be kind, to raise them to be inclusive of others. And I continue the longer we do this together. I just continue to be really enamored with how important motherhood is and not as a a elevating motherhood over other things in the world, but it is so important what we do every day. And it's just, I don't know. I feel so honored to be, part of this endeavor we work together to really explore these things and encourage other moms because I find that I am so encouraged as I do it so I yeah I keep finding like new and interesting ways of looking at little pieces of motherhood as Mm -hmm. you know as we receive essays Mm -hmm. and um, just have discussions and listen you know as I listen to podcast guests and whatever I'm just really blessed by all the just the variety of perspective it helps yeah like you said it helps helps elevate it you know because it's easy to get lost in the the nose and bottom wiping Mm -hmm. um and forget that this is actually really legitimately quite important yeah we're making people and stuff Mm -hmm. and it's it's so multi-layered and has I don't know. There's, we will never run out of things to talk about because <laughs> it's just such a an exquisite and hard and amazing experience to be a mom. And so I just thank you for being here for this conversation. And I really hope that people will check out the rest of this series. There's going to be several Uh, I think by the time this airs, there will have been several essays already up on the blog and another podcast episode from this month. And we're just, I don't know, we want you to feel a sense of purpose in your home and not feel alone in the journey to see your priorities realized. And 
one thing that I wanted to say a few minutes ago that I forgot to say is when my kids were a little bit younger, um, as I had four, five, and they were all under 10 years old, I just wanted to say this like super practical thing, but it really helped me to keep everybody in the same space. And uh-huh. containment has been containment both for their safety, but also for the relationships and the sense of belonging that we're talking uh-huh. about. Um has been really helpful. And even now, like if we go to the playground or something, like we all go to one area of the playground and, you know, and then if, you know, the sandbox is, you know, a hundred feet away or a hundred yards away, then we'll all go to the sandbox together. (laughs) And just kind of that, you know, seeing us as a unit and really helping them see that we belong together, that we we go places together, we do things together, we help each other, we uh, we all contribute to the chores and the, the needs of our home and stuff. Um, that has really come back to bless me in more ways than I could say. I um, it's also like, I know there's several mamas in my local area who are having babies, like their third baby sometimes their fourth baby. And they're just like, how do I even do this? (laughs) And I just feel like drawing the kids close and trying to move as a unit works so much better than, you know, parsing things out. (laughs) And yeah. I'm I'm starting to see, um, not, not a, a lot, but I'm starting to see little, little moments where they're functioning as a unit away from me. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's been my littlest two. We're recording on a Sunday, and my littlest two wound up in the same Sunday school class this morning because the two-year-old Sunday school teacher was sick. And Brian just took his baby sister by the hand and walked her into a Sunday school class and was like, "This is my sister Lily." And when I picked them up, the teachers were telling me how keyed in he was to how his baby sister was doing, and they just kind of moved together. And it's mm. fun to see that that sort of like we are us um, Mm -hmm. sort of identity uh, starting to emerge in just the littlest, sweetest ways. Absolutely. Well, so wonderful, Robin. I so appreciate you. And I hope that um, we get a chance to do this again soon. And just because I want people to be able to find you because I think your writing is awesome. Um, Can you tell them where they can find you online? Yeah, um, I am at Robin Chapman on Instagram um, and I blog at uh, RobinDChapman.com. That's Robin with an I, by the way. Um, Mm -hmm. And hopefully by the time this airs, I will have some actual legit writing on there. (laughs) It's been a little (laughs) while. It's been quite a season here. But well, it's it's not like you're not busy or something. Yeah, you know. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks for being here, and I'll talk with you soon. All right. Thanks so much, Emily. Well, in this episode, we are talking about cultivating home and more specifically, how to develop a sense of belonging within our homes. And I'm really pleased to be welcoming Vanessa Hunt to our show. Welcome, Vanessa. Thank you. I'm so thrilled to be here. Yeah, I'm so glad to have you and would love for you to just start off by sharing a bit about the stage of motherhood you're in, a little bit about your family and some of the things that really just make your heart beat fast. Yeah, so I just celebrated 20 years of marriage to my husband. Actually, we um, took the kids to Maui 
last mm-hmm. week and celebrated there. And so I am in a stage of motherhood where I have a tween. Um, I have a daughter who's 11 and a 15-year-old son. And so I have moved into this stage um, where I'm realizing we're kind of in the the slow exit a little bit. Um, yeah. I, I have been told and warned that um, these next four years with my son in high school are going to fly by faster than I can imagine. And so, um, yeah, I'm in a stage of um, taking my hands off a little bit and mm-hmm. um, we're trying to coach and guide and yet also let our kids um, make mistakes and, mm, and yeah. decisions and um, and guide them through those. And so it's definitely a different, different season of life. And, and for somebody who likes to control things, it's, it's, it poses a a challenge and brings me to my knees a lot. So, Mm -hmm. well, I'm so glad to have you here. And, you know, I know that this topic that we're discussing this month is close to your heart. And I'd love for you to just give us just an idea of why home and family means so much to you. And you can tell us also about your blog and some of the things you write about there. Sure. So I just truly believe that there is a intricate connection between our hearts and our homes. I believe that if our homes are chaotic, our hearts are chaotic. And if our hearts are chaotic, our homes are chaotic. Mm -hmm. And so I just believe as women and as moms that we set the tone in our home. And sometimes I have found that I've resented that over the years that So much of the tone of the home depends upon me. And yet I've learned throughout my 15 years of motherhood to embrace that as a gift and um, a calling. And so I just really believe that um, our homes are truly a reflection of our hearts and vice versa. Yeah. And and as I started um, my community that I have online at the picket fence, I really started out just sharing more ideas about home related things. And yet I couldn't resist sharing personal stories and um, just talking more about what I believe is so critical to how we build a foundation of peace in our homes. Mm -hmm. And so um, really that's my heart's desire. And, and that's what I've shared and opened up and, and um, shared stories and really just tried to bridge that gap between heart and home. Yeah. Well, and it's your, you had described in an online group that we're in together, um, just about your desire for helping women see the connection between their heart and their home, which I just was like, oh my goodness, I need to have you on the show because that is (laughs) so much about what this topic this month has been about, that there are super practical things about just running our houses, having systems and, you know, cleaning routines and all of the practical things that go into our home care and family care. But then there's also that side that's a little less tangible and harder to pin down, which is kind of, for me, the point of this episode is to start unpacking some of those things and be able to put our finger on some of the things that we really can do to invest. And I love what you said about that sense of responsibility (laughs) on us as mothers that A responsibility can be a heavy burden, but it also can be a joy. It also can be just something that leads us to a sense of purpose in what it is that we're doing in our homes with our families. And so I'd love for you to talk about 
any kind of example you have from your own journey of when you either recognized that sense of purpose or how you were able to maybe go from the heavy responsibility side to finding the joy in being intentional as a mom? Yeah, I I really realized quickly that I was going to come to a crossroads as a mom um, when my son was born and boys are just different and I didn't have a brother, I had a sister and all of a sudden somebody was dumping things out left and right and um, running a mile a minute. And I kind of reached this point where I thought I can really make this a horrible environment for everybody because I'm going to try to micromanage and have everything perfect and clean and wonderful all the time. Or I can develop my own character and ask the Lord to really do a work in me to release some of my struggles with people pleasing and perfectionism and this desire to control everything. And and that's going to impact how these kids feel in their home. Yeah. And I don't want people to come into my home and feel stressed and anxious and all of those things. Mm-hmm. And you know, that doesn't just apply to the guests that come right. in. That implies to the people who live here every day. Mm-hmm. And so I really had to come to a point where I was willing to let go of some of my preconceived notions of what it would look like mm-hmm. and embrace um, what it was. And yet at the same time, also recognize that God gave me very specific gifts that I could use. And I don't need to ignore those Mm -hmm. either. I do believe that you can have a home that is organized and tidy and also have kids and a family who feel comfortable. Mm -hmm. I, I think those two things can coexist. And so I really have found this balance of, yes, my home can have nice things and pretty things, And also be a place where people can put their feet up Mm -hmm. and plunk down and I can have teenage boys over who eat pizza and soda (laughs) and all of those things. And so I I realized that I didn't have to forego or forfeit Mm -hmm. who God created me to be, which is a person who really loves home and decor Mm -hmm. and homemaking and all of those things. I didn't have to trade that. I could just learn how to use that to glorify him and create a a haven for my family. Yeah, and I'm really curious. This is me. Um, I'll just be really vulnerable and say that I <laughs> love homemaking, but not in the same way. I am not a decorator. <laughs> I am not good at organization. I really care so much more about heart-level things with my kids and resolving right. conflicts. And so for me, there is kind of a disconnect with when you say that you're able to have those two things coexist. I would like to know some nuts and bolts of how, because <laughs> that's a struggle for me. Yeah, sure. And I, I get that. And now that my kids are at the ages they are, obviously, it's a completely different ballgame mm-hmm. because they're able to help more and they're more responsible and and pitch in and all those things, which they did from young ages as well. Mm-hmm. But um, it, it is, I think it's a constantly examining what I'm willing to let go of and what I am going to make an important part of yeah. our family dynamics. And so I 
believe that the kids can have toys out and have all of the things that are kid things. My kids' rooms, Mm -hmm. I pretty much let go of their rooms. They are decorated, but my son likes to tinker and take things apart. Mm -hmm. And so there are circuit boards all over his desk. (laughs) (laughs) And that's okay. That's his space. And that's where he likes to create. My daughter is an artist. And so she tapes things all over the walls. And so I feel like it's this constant negotiation Mm -hmm. of what I need to let go of and what I feel is also important for them to learn. Yeah. And we, we do this back and forth. And so, you know, there are spaces in our home that we collectively make sure we take care of. And then there are areas that we just kind of go, eh, yeah, this isn't as important. And so that's, that's what I'm constantly trying to figure out and navigate through is negotiating that. Would you say that in that process of figuring out what the top priorities are, is that something that you kind of see as your responsibility in needing to provide that leadership? Or is that something that your family participates in figuring out what are the top priorities for our home care and organization? Yeah, I think that my husband and I both together, Mm -hmm. we just really love the idea of caring for our home. Mm-hmm. My husband has the kids out almost every weekend doing yard work, which they <laughs> don't love, but they participate in. And and so there's very much, and we talk as we're doing mm-hmm. it. Why are we doing mm-hmm. this? We're doing this because we are going to care for the things that God has given us and the things that we've been able to um, have in our lives. And so we're going to take care of those mm-hmm. things. And we've done that from the time they were really little. Everything from, I mean, my husband had my daughter in the bathroom the other day teaching her how to unclog her sink (laughs) and made her like get the guck out and pull the stopper up and do all of that. And so it's a collective thing. Obviously, my husband and I take the lead because the kids would just be like, we're not doing (laughs) anything. Why would we do this? I'll just use a different sink. But, um, you know, so it's, but we feel as though they're starting to kind of understand that that Mm -hmm. mindset and... And yet also having lots of room for play and fun. And so it's this balance all the time. And, but I I do believe that my husband and I are pretty like-minded in our approach to home and family, but I have also had to learn again, how to let go of things like letting go Mm -hmm. of the kids' rooms. And we have a game room where my son has his Xbox and, you know, all of that kind of stuff and just figuring out how to how to navigate that. I appreciate that. And I just love that you have a different experience than I do because I feel like I'm right at the cusp of having kids that are almost ready to really be Uh productively helpful in organizing spaces and keeping them that way. And I love what you said about the drain thing as well, because I think so much of raising our kids is passing along just basic life skills that they will need in order to navigate their own adulthood, which nobody sits and thinks, oh, I should really teach my child how to unclog a drain. But that's super practical right. and really important when we think yes. of, you know, being intentional with our kids that every opportunity that we have in our humble spaces of home are opportunities to teach them things that might be really valuable for them down the road. So I'd really love to talk just about how the way that you've approached your home care and all of that, how that has impacted your family dynamics over the years from the time your kids were little to now that they're in almost all teen years. Right. Well, 
I really believe that our home is the haven and it is a sanctuary from Mm -hmm. the chaos that they encounter every day, especially at these stages with teen years and all of those kinds of things. When they come home, this needs to be the safe place. Mm -hmm. And so I, we have just really tried to make this a place that they want to be Mm -hmm. and um, just really trying to have this foundation of peace and predictability and Mm -hmm. things that they can rely upon when everything else around them is kind of outside of their control. And so I just really believe that that has carried us through from the time they were little till now. There are things and routines. We laugh because we picture our teenage son going off to college and asking his roommates, hey guys, when is it quiet time? (laughs) Because when when he stopped taking naps, we instituted quiet time and we still reference, we still call it quiet time as a family on the weekends. And that's their designated electronic time now. Mm -hmm. But um, we, so there's, there's this continuity that, and this predictability that I feel like we've fostered that has helped us when life has become chaotic or when something's happened that's outside of our control, they can always rely on some things that will never change Mm -hmm. about our home and our family dynamic. And so that has just been really important to me um, that this be a place and, and that we be a people who come around each other yeah. and provide that continuity and consistency in life. Mm-hmm. Well, I love that. And I think that there is um, so much to be said for this, the simplicity of rhythms that, mm-hmm. you know, they may change slightly with seasons as needs change, as families change, but that there is um, just some part of setting boundaries. I'm thinking of a scripture. I do not have the reference off the top of my head that says that you cause my boundary to lie in pleasant places. And mm-hmm. just that idea that we would set the stage for um, and, and the boundaries for what happens here. And I feel like one thing that we have done really well over the years is just having a very regular bedtime. All my yes. kids, even though the span of ages is from 2 to 12, they all go to bed at the same time. It doesn't mean they fall asleep at the same time, but we <laughs> kind of go through that process of, you know, decompressing from the day, getting ready for bed. And the older ones might read for a little bit with the light on for longer than the little right. ones do. But I think that has really helped um, just kind of unify us at the end of the day. And mm-hmm. there's this very predictable rhythm like you're talking about. And So I would love for you to share any other habits or family traditions that your family looks forward to that has helped build your relationships and honor those rhythms that you have already mentioned. Sure. Well, we, one thing we love is we have family movie night on Friday Mm -hmm. nights and we usually have pizza or something really easy and we actually eat in the family room. Um, We cover the ta- the coffee table with a plastic tablecloth and we sit around and watch a movie as a family and and that's been something we've done for years and years and years and obviously it's you know things are changing just a little bit um because of the kids schedules changing but it's something we really try to do at least two or three times a month mm-hmm. and 
And that just is, again, something that's predictable and routine. And everybody knows who's getting out the tablecloth mm-hmm. and who's moving the magazines off the coffee table and, and all of that kind of stuff. And so um, we, we love traditions. Mm-hmm. And there are definitely things that um, my kids look forward to every year with holidays and, and things like that. But yet, I also have realized that um, as much as I am a traditions person, mm-hmm. that your traditions need to leave room to grow and shift as your kids get older. You know, we're at a stage where the pumpkin patch trip doesn't look the same anymore. (laughs) And we might have to buy our pumpkin from the store this year. (laughs) And so, um, but we're coming up with other things that are exciting and fun to do that are appropriate for these ages. And so it's not just saying, oh, uh, we're done with that tradition. It's saying, how can this tradition change and morph as our family's changing and growing. Um, and I think that that's what keeps us connected is trying to stay in tune with, they still need some of those things, even though they're growing um, and wanting independence from us, they still need the predictability that comes with that. And so I think that that's just, you know, one way that we're able to just help foster that connection to each other. Yeah. I think that's lovely. And yeah, I have had kind of a troubled relationship with family traditions over the years because I feel like we have been married now for 14 years, almost. I guess we'd be celebrating our 14th this coming year. So we have had six children in that time, and we have had job changes and moves. And just I honestly feel like we've been in perpetual transition since we got married, which is kind of true. And so I have seen other families that have these amazing, and sometimes they're very simple, but just still really meaningful family traditions. And I just feel like I've been trying to catch my breath. And like, even if I start something by the next year, I'm like too burnt out to do it or, um, you know, whatever it is. And I'm just curious if you have any advice for moms who, whether it's because home doesn't feel like a peaceful place at this moment, or they might be in a transition time, like I feel like I've experienced over and over, or maybe they're in a crisis. If they're running into challenges that are inhibiting not only family traditions, but just that intentional pursuit of of building relationships within their family, what advice do you have to give to moms who are in those places? Yeah, I think that it's we are so hard on ourselves for one thing. And so we look at all the traditions and we look at all the things that everybody's doing. Like I just purposely never started doing Elf on the (laughs) Shelf because I knew I wasn't going to be able to do it on and on. And I had enough other things. And so I really believe in, in simplifying as much as possible. And I just believe that we have to decide that we are going to be protectors of the peace in our home. And that we will decide to weed out anything that is inhibiting Mm -hmm. that piece that we have control over. There are so many things in our lives that come at us that we have no control over. But, But what we can control, let's do our best to make that healthy and protect the yeah. peace in in that in those situations. And we always tell our kids that there's gonna be a lot that comes at you that you mm-hmm. can't control in life. You can't control those health scares and those job losses and all of those kinds of things that come up, but there's a lot that you can. And so learning how to protect the peacefulness in your home, 
by just really peeling back everything and figuring out, okay, what is essential right now? What is right in front of me that I can do in this moment, in this day, that's going to help my family and my home feel Mm -hmm. peaceful. And that really helps us to kind of more narrowly focus. And, and I think that that's just critical. And I think once you realize that that's your role is to protect the peace and Mm -hmm. and all of that in your home, it really helps you to focus a ton. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I love what you said just about simplifying, because if I could give an example really quick of um, something that I started one year and I probably did do it for like three years in a row, Um, my kids loved it, is I had an Advent activity calendar that I made. And every day of the month of December up until Christmas, there was, uh, of course, a little slip of paper that you take out for December 2nd, December 3rd. Um, And they were all pretty simple activities, but it was that it was tied to a certain day. (laughs) It was like, on the 2nd, I have to do this. And on the 3rd, I have to do this. And on the 4th, I have to do this. And by the fourth year, I just could not do it anymore. because (laughs) I'm tired just listening to that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it was a lot of fun. And the years that I had enough, you know, focus and energy to do that. Mm -hmm. But what Mm -hmm. I found is, as far as simplifying is concerned, that there were several of those activities that the kids did not care about at all. It was just what we did on that day. But things like getting hot chocolate and going to drive around and see the lights. As long as we do that sometime in the month of December, they're happy. And, you know, to me, that's just an example of being able to take something that maybe you started that isn't going to work the way you started it, but, you know, translates into a different, like I just asked them, I went through the whole list and said, which of these things are really important to you? And there was like five things out of 24. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, and here I am breaking my back for all these other 20 things that are not really important to you. So no, um, I can take it a step even further. And I didn't even bother doing 25 days worth of mm -hmm. stuff. Yeah, we just did the good old fashioned Advent candle reading every Sunday evening leading up to Christmas Mm -hmm. Eve and just kept it really simple. And and as they've gotten older, we the kids started reading the scripture and, and, um, took turns lighting the candle. And I, I started out having this vision of, you know, these hallmark moments with my kids and actually wrote about it one time. And, and, um, you know, we were going to sit around and everybody's going to be wearing matching pajamas and the snow was going to start falling just perfectly as, as my husband, you know, cracked open the Bible and started reading. And the first year we tried to do it, my husband started reading and my son let out the biggest toot ever, like just completely (laughs) ripped one. And I was like, okay, obviously I have to change my perspective here a little bit on what my expectations are going to be (laughs) because this is what my life is. And so just those kinds of things where you just are like, yeah, this is not, (laughs) yeah. I got to learn to just let stuff go a little bit. (laughs) Yeah, that's so funny. Well, in the last few minutes that I have you, I know that you, you said you love just making your home a home and that is something that you, you decorate and you organize. And because I am so eager to get some tips about that, I would love for you to just talk about like 
whatever random things, I mean, I'm not fishing for something in particular, but just (laughs) what are the brilliant things that you do to accomplish this amazing task that you do? Oh, gosh. (laughs) Well, I would first say none of them are brilliant. So (laughs) I mean, I, I really have tried to break things down quite a bit into really simple things that Mm -hmm. I like to encourage women to do in their homes. I mean, I, I am not one of those people. I do not have a regular cleaning schedule. Mm -hmm. I don't, you know, I don't have a regular laundry schedule. I do get my groceries pretty much on the same day every week, but I'm really not regimented. Mm -hmm. I'm just much more of a, um, okay, I have to reheat my coffee. Mm-hmm. I reheat my coffee for a minute. What can I get done in a minute? Mm-hmm. So I make that a game. I can pick up the pillows off my couch in a minute and put them or off the floor and put them on, back on the couch because the kids like to take the pillows off when they sit down. Mm-hmm. Um, I can, you know, put a load from the washer into the dryer. Simple things like that. I mean, I my most favorite home hack ever is to use as I'm walking up the stairs. If I see dust on my like. Um, baseboards and things, I actually have used my foot with my sock to run it along the baseboard. I'm just like, that works. Nice then it's going to go in the wash anyway. So let's, you know, who knows? Yeah. It's still clean. And But um, there are so many things that I think we can do that are just simple, easy things. Like I really think that it's important to have a place in your home that gives you some joy and pleasure. And mm-hmm. so if you can pick one table, one surface that's kind of just yours and you protect it. And it's a space that your eyes just get a break Mm -hmm. from stuff. And so whether you decorate it seasonally or you just have very simple things, I think we just need a place that as we scan around the rooms in our house and we see mess and toys and papers and homework and all that kind of stuff, that we have a spot that's just like, okay, I can handle things because that's kind of cleared off and that is my zone. So I think you have to give your eyes a break a little bit throughout your home. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and like I said, that can be as, as simple as a little side table. It doesn't have to be every single surface. Um, and really, like I said before, deciding what's important to you and what you're going to fight for mm-hmm. and then deciding what you're going to let go of. Yeah. And like I said, I decided to let go of my kids' rooms. Now, does that mean that I let them just like, you know, turn into total disaster areas? No, we do clean up every once in a while. But yeah those are their spaces. And so it's just this constant figuring out what am I going to make an issue out of? What am I going to let go of? Mm-hmm. Um, and just picking out those things that are important to you. Um, the, and, and that's really, for me, how I've been able to kind of create a home that feels welcoming and that everybody feels comfortable and hopefully. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so, and and I really think it's important also to learn the difference between tidy and clean. Like I said, I don't deep clean my house all the time, but I do try to tidy my house up. Um, and so that makes it easier for people to come in and out. And and I don't feel panicky if somebody drops by and and things like that. And 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 for us, we love having people in our home and love inviting people in. And so um, trying to create a a place and a foundation that makes it easy to do that. Mm. It's easy to extend invitations to people because things are set up in such a way that, that, um, it doesn't stress us out to have people over. (laughs) Yeah. 
Well, I love all of those tips, and I'm going to be thinking about what I can apply. I don't know <laughs> if you're going I... to be seeing your sock differently now. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I need to keep some socks by the front door because <laughs> no, I, I can't even get to our baseboards at this point. We have a pretty small house for the size of family that we have, so I feel mm-hmm. like that's part of the problem right now is there's just too mm-hmm. many bodies and too many things in yeah. our house. And yeah. so I'm kind yeah. of going through a process right now of trying to get everything non-essential out of here because yes. it, you know, when we moved into this house about 10 years ago, we had enough furniture for a one bedroom apartment basically. And we had three children at that time. So mm-hmm. in the last 10 years, it has filled up. <laughs> and yes. I know there are things here that we don't need anymore. So I need to figure out what yeah. those things are and just get them out of here. Um, and I am yeah. looking forward to, at some point, more looking at things from a decor perspective. I feel like the last 10 years have all been about survival and just functionality. Functionality. (laughs) And I mean, some things we have are nice. We have nice new couches we bought about a year ago that I love and we all have a place to sit. So that's great. But just as far as like a top to bottom, like the look is just what it is to get us through. And, um, you know, for sure. Hopefully one of these days yeah. we can bring it all together in a satisfying <laughs> decor space that I am happy with. But, um, well, I'd love for you to share with our listeners where they can find you online and um, if they want to follow up and check out your blog. And I know you have a book. Please tell us about sure. your book. Yes. Yeah. So um, my sister and I used to um, co-author our blog together, but she's no longer writing with me, but we did have the amazing opportunity to have a book published and it came out in October of 2016. It's called Life in Season, Celebrating the Moments that Fill Your Heart and Home. It goes through all the seasons of the year and each season has 10 short story devotionals um, that are real short and sweet, but just some encouragement for your heart. And then um, each season also has five home-related projects or a recipe, really simple ideas that reflect the season. So really the seasons of our faith and our heart, and then also the seasons for mm-hmm. our home. And so um, it it's, um, was just a joy to do. And so um, I, I, still, I still love it yeah. and still um, just feel so honored and thrilled that we got the opportunity to do that. And then... Every every day I'm at at thepicketfence.com and um, just a community where um, you can come on any given day and get some simple ideas for your home and hopefully some encouragement for your heart and and just feel like you have a place to mm-hmm. belong and and that's really really my desire so. Well, thank you for sharing. We'll have links to these things in our show notes so our listeners can go and find them. And I so appreciate you being here. Thank you for spending some time with me. Thank you so much for having me. It's been, it's been so fun.